Yeah, so all God's children. I love that. That was a really neat announcement in prayer time. I never have experienced it quite that way. So thanks, Phyllis. I think we're going to borrow that uh, when we go back home. And if you uh, heard a little bit of an, a loud amen coming from this corner, it was one of our three kids. So I'm just going to introduce my family quick. We, my wife, Petra. We have uh, three boys, Malachi, Simon, and Caleb. And uh, we are friends with the Yonces and have enjoyed spending some time with them. And that is a big reason as to why we are here. And it was just interesting how the timing worked out. Uh, Ryan just recently leaving and and uh, we still uh, in the church leadership thought it was uh, still a great thing to pursue this prayer retreat weekend. And so we've enjoyed spending uh, time with a few of the congregation. I think we had 30 people here the first night and and uh, 20-some the next night or session. It's been a great weekend, great weekend. We spent uh, some time with uh, Ryan and Brittany too, so we, three young kids, uh, and they have four young kids, and so there was, Ryan thought, hey, it's a great idea to let the wives have a little bit of quiet time on their own, and so he took all seven kids to the park, and I don't know where else, for the whole morning, while I was hanging out here, and the, the wives were hanging out at home, he was at the park, and uh, people were wondering, you know, how many uh, sets of twins he had. But we played some ball hockey yesterday afternoon, and the stakes were high. Slushies were on the line, and uh, um, Ryan and I. So it was adults versus kids, and and I, I mentioned to the gang yesterday here, but uh, the kids thought they didn't want to play that because they were pretty sure they were going to wipe the floor with us. Uh, but we, Ryan and I, we held our own and, uh, and beat them to five. But then we said, all right, let's reset. We'll play to 10. And they beat us to 10. So they got the slushies. But. So we've had a good weekend. I just uh, want to acknowledge, too, you guys are in the midst of a pastoral transition. And that is a, uh, a tough season. It can be a tough season. We went through it a few years ago. And uh, I was on the, the steering committee uh, or the uh, pastoral search committee rather, and it, it is uh, a meaningful time, but a challenging time. It's a real, a real time for the congregation to come together, to be strengthened, and to look to the Lord as, as your lead pastor. It's wonderful that you still have people in leadership and, and giving pastoral care, and that's, that's wonderful. But as I was encouraging uh, the folks that were gathered this weekend, as we look to the Lord to teach us how to pray, I see that this is been a bit of a theme perhaps for a little while, but that was our theme this weekend as well. Lord, teach us to pray. He's our teacher. He's our teacher, isn't he? And he's our pastor too. He's our shepherd. And so we want to be looking primarily, first and foremost, to the Lord as our teacher, as our counselor, as our pastor. And it's wonderful that he gifts people to, to lead in such a way and to come alongside uh, us and help pastor and shepherd, but just just as a little word of encouragement there. So as we uh, just want to give a little bit of a, a recap, certainly can't fit uh, three days of experience into uh, into this morning's teaching time, but uh, just a little recap from our weekend. Uh, we've been following Jesus around the scriptures, watching how he prays, and asking him, Lord, teach us to pray. And this is what the disciples did in, in Luke 11, verse 1. We see that one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. 
When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. And note the context. What, what was it that motivated the question for that disciple? We noted on the, on the weekend, it was that Jesus was praying. There was something about Jesus' countenance, something about the way that he looked, the way that he carried himself out of those prayer times that was incredibly attractive, incredibly compelling to the disciples. They saw Jesus coming out of the prayer times and they thought, man, there's something going on there that we want. They recognized it as the source, I'm sure, of his power, his love, and the way in which he, he ministered to people. The source was his prayer time. See, prayer was common in that day, but Jesus' prayer was uncommon. And so they said, Lord, teach us to pray. So Jesus was always praying. Uh, we looked at a few of those passages together. I'll just highlight them briefly. So in Matthew 14, we see Jesus feeding the 5,000. We're familiar with that story. But at the end of that story, he dismisses the crowd, gets the disciples in a boat, sends them across the lake, right? And then what does he do? He goes up on a mountain by himself and prays. In Luke 5, Jesus heals a man covered with leprosy, we're told. He reaches out and touches him. He's instantly healed. And then he says, don't, don't tell anyone about it. Just go to the priest, show your... Show yourself, offer the sacrifices that are required. So don't tell anyone, but yet the news about him spread so that crowds of people came to him to be healed. But we read, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. In Luke 6, before he chooses the 12 apostles, he goes out on a mountainside and spends the whole night in prayer. And in Mark 1, the whole town gathered at the door of where Jesus was staying that they might be healed. They brought many sick people there. He says they cast out many demons. They ministered late into the night. And then early the next morning, while it was still dark, that's a little easier to do uh, this time of the year, isn't it? <laughs> while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went to a solitary place to pray. Jesus was always praying, always retreating to this, these solitary places to commune with the Father. We, we posed the question when we were looking at that Mark passage, how would you describe Jesus coming out of that place of prayer? How would you describe Jesus coming out of that place of prayer? And these were some of the words that we shared together. Focused. Centered. Refreshed, renewed, glowing, peaceful assurity, free from expectation, solid, trustworthy. Beautiful, isn't it? We could use more of that in our lives. We would love for people 
to look at us and say these words, wouldn't we? That this person looks like this. This is the, the reward of prayer. This is what happens in us, the way in which we're transformed in prayer. And that is the, the uh, topic of today's teaching is the transforming work of prayer. The transforming work of prayer. You see, we don't want to just be an observer of Jesus and his prayer life. We don't just want to look at him as an example for our lives, but we want to be a participator in his life. And that's the gospel. That's the, the beauty of this life in Christ that we're offered. And so this weekend, we practice different ways of prayerfully reading the scriptures and entering into the scriptures so that the scripture would also enter into us, nourish us and transform us from the inside out. I love this poem, and I had to share it again with us this morning by Doreen Kostinuk. Follow Jesus around the scriptures. Be an observer. Watch how he looks. Watch how he touches. Watch how he is present pe to people. Watch how he prays and takes time out. Then let him look at you. Let him touch you. Let him hold you. Let him heal you. Let him be present to you. Then become the look. Become the touch. Become the presence. We want this to be our approach to reading scripture and spending time in a prayerful reading and meditation of scripture. We want to read with the heart. Read in such a way that the words enter into us and transform us. That the word enter into us and transforms us. And so today our passage is Luke 9. If you want to turn there, you're welcome to. Luke 9, 28 to 36. This is the story of Jesus' transfiguration. Starting at verse 28. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up on a mountain to pray. So here we go again. Jesus is praying. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, Elijah appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. 
While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and told no one at that time what they had seen. That word transfigured. Jesus was transfigured before them. I looked it up in Miriam Webster and says this, an exalting, glorifying, spiritual change. Another dictionary says this, transformed into something more beautiful or elevated. To transform is what the strong concordance says of this word. And the same Greek word is metamorpho, from which we get metamorphosis. It's the same word transform that we see in Romans 12. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we see it in 2 Corinthians 3.18 as well. So we all who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. So in your prayer times, your face may not be glowing or your clothes flashing like lightning. If that's happened to you, let me know. I'd love to hear that story. But you are being transformed. Transformed into something more beautiful, more elevated, more Christ-like. How often we experience this when we give ourselves to regular and sustained times of prayer. We know this to be true. It may not appear on the surface that much is happening. There's no audible voice or, or no open vision of heaven. Not to say that those things don't happen. But there is a transfiguration of sorts happening beneath the surface. Our disposition changes. Our hearts are softened. Our minds are filled with peace. And we find ourselves leaving that place of prayer different than when we entered it. You know what I'm talking about? When we have, you have that meaningful time with the Lord, something changes in us. And, and we enter into our day in a different place because we've entered from that place of prayer. And we know the difference, don't we? Those days where... That, or weeks even, where we are just living life at full throttle, living life to our own agendas, and we're not spending that sustained time in prayer, giving our attention to Jesus. Our days feel different, don't they? But when we enter into prayer, enter into our days from that place of prayer, we feel less anxious, less burdened. We respond to frustrations differently. We carry the weight of our responsibilities differently. We're more patient with others than with ourselves. This kind of transformation, or transfiguration, if you will, is best experienced where Jesus experienced it 
in that private place of prayer with a few close friends alone on top of a mountain. Well, the mountain's optional, but you get the idea. Highly recommended. <laughs> Are you aware of that inner transformation taking place in your prayer times? If not, how might God be inviting you into a deeper place of prayer? And who could you take with on the journey? See, Jesus took a few close friends, right? Last night we practiced uh, this as well, taking a few close friends with us on the prayer journey. And we were huddled up in groups of three, and we were working through a, a prayer exercise, listening for the voice of God. As someone shared, we'd listen alongside them, and, and in, in so doing, pray alongside them. And God did some, some beautiful work in, in, our, in people's lives, and, and he always does, doesn't he? When we create that space, that opportunity for him to do his thing, to do that inner work of transformation, he's always there, always moving, speaking, transforming. I, I wanted to create an opportunity for uh, people to share just a two-minute testimony. It doesn't have to be long but just something briefly that God did in their lives, uh, something that was kind of uh, a highlight for you over the prayer retreat weekend. So those that were, were here. So I kind of warned you last night a little bit, and, uh, and Dennis uh, uh, kindly volunteered to, to share something. So he's going to come do that in just a moment. First, I'm going to read a poem from one of the participants as well. And he is not here this morning, but he... Uh, he uh, said that I could read this uh, with us this morning, just by way of encouragement. So, so, so those that were at the prayer retreat weekend, just kind of work up that courage, and maybe you got a two-minute testimony you can come and, and share here in a minute. So this is a, a poem uh, that this gentleman wrote during one of our prayer times. Jesus withdrew often. In the quietness of my heart, tune my heart in praise to you. Whisper echoes of your love. Hold me in your arms, too. Speak to me in the quietness. Let your word warm my heart. For you are the true designer. Create in me your poetic art. Let me reflect you as I walk in the world's increasing dark. Let me flow with your Holy Spirit, your child in the kingdom of light. Isn't that fun? Dennis, I just would welcome you to come up and share a little bit of what was standing out to you on the weekend. Well, I think the um, what the uh, when we shared in the groups of three people, um, we uh, looked at this question: What needs to die in me in order for God's will to come forth in my life? And is there anything I need to set aside so that I can be open to what God wants? And so, as we sat in a group of three, uh, each one of us shared that, and then we spent 20 minutes of. Uh, 
some in silence, some in talking about uh, what uh, God was laying on our heart, and then prayed uh, numerous times in silence. And uh, I think one of the things that, that I experienced in that was I shared that I'm not sure what it is that, that God is saying to me, but there's something missing in my life that I once had and I don't have. And I didn't know what it was, and I, I was pondering that. And as we prayed and thought about it, uh, one of the persons in the group said, um, do, you have, do you have trouble sleeping? And um, I wake up most every night with, with a dream dreams that I know that are dreams and I dream something and I wake up I know it's a dream but I can't get out of the dream it's it's strange I know it's a dream but it stays there it I keep thinking about it even though I know it's not reality I keep thinking about it and and so I think that uh, and I didn't understand what was happening but as we prayed more through it I realized that um, it wasn't about it wasn't about that. It was about that over the years I have, um, as I've talked with people, I hear lots of struggles. I hear lots of things in people's lives, and I am not able to fully give that to the Lord. I carry some of that stuff that has been shared with me into my heart into my life and so it's hard for me to just give that to the Lord and I know that that's what I need to do but I don't always do it and so I think that that's part of the reason why I don't sleep well and uh, and so it just so happens that last night was probably one of the worst nights that I've had for quite a while and so I thought yeah that's exactly I would expect that to happen so anyway <laughs> praise God and uh, I it was a it was a meaningful experience to go through that 20 minutes for each one of us to share that and and the others that were in the group uh, we we experienced something in a in a unique way so thanks hmm. thanks god yeah praise god makes sense just trying to follow a little bit of covid protocol here at least and if there's anyone else just a two-minute testimony yeah come on up You can come on right up, or you can speak from there, whatever you want. Yeah. I thought it was curious uh, this morning, the transforming work of prayer. And I thought of work. And last night we worked. Hmm. But we didn't work like we normally think of work. And so I wrote down... Um, what the work of what I learned about the work of prayer last night because it's opposite of what often what we think we need to do as believers so the work of prayer first of all from the very beginning in my thoughts is that it's stillness and quiet that's where it begins stillness and quiet inside but also outside um, it's the work of God is steering my heart towards God not thinking about what I can do for him or the good I can do for other people but steering my heart towards God 
And this is, to me, this is the foundation of the other work that we do. It's not that we don't work work, but the work of prayer starts it all. Like, like you said about going to the mountain, God, as Christ spent a lot of time alone. And God is a willing God. And in one of the exercises, we uh, talked about what scripture is speaking to us. And we went to the leper, and we read it slowly, quietly, thoughtfully. And um, Jesus touched the leper. He was an outcast. He lived with his own community, and no one else went into that community. And Jesus touched him, and Jesus said, I am willing. So Jesus is willing to touch my heart, your heart, when we come. That's the work of prayer. Mm. Seeking his will within community, as Dennis so um, well described, and in our own, the three of us as well, it was, it's just awesome. Because we're getting inside with the scriptures. And some of the things that I, I felt, and I think others felt too, was honesty. That's another part of the work of prayer, is honesty about me inside, for starters. Vulnerability. I just wonder who likes vulnerability. None of us do. We, I put on my good clothes this morning. <laughs> you know, but inside, oh, I'm a pretty, pretty much a mess sometimes. <laughs> Not so much this morning because the, the weekend was really centering inside. Mm. It, it made a difference. And the authenticity. And when we become authentic with who we are and, and the darkness inside of us as well, because it's there. If you don't think it is, you're only fooling yourself, no one else especially your spouse. <laughs> so that's part of the work of prayer, is becoming that, authentic, that authentic person. And when we become authentic, we can connect better with others. Mm. We can connect with ourselves better, and we can connect better with others. I think I've done my two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Oh, there's a little step there. Yeah, yeah. You you could just keep right on going there. That was good. <laughs> Anyone else? The way's been paved. Yeah, the pressure's off. You can just share. There. Awesome. I do want to say that it was a really um, wonderful weekend and uh, the Lord taught me quite a few things and is still teaching me. But um, one of the things that I really enjoyed or really was meaningful to me was our prayer centers. Mm. And I'm going to just share a little bit of uh, what that was like for me. Of course, the theme that we had was, Lord, teach me, teach us to pray. I think this was the desire of each of us 
as we came together to learn how to better equip, to be better equipped in our prayer lives. A big thank you to Joel for his kind, loving, and gentle spirit, which was so evident as he shared insights into our prayer lives. Saturday morning gave us an opportunity to choose a prayer center where we could write a letter to God. Choosing a favorite scripture that would speak, that spoke to our hearts, and expressing to God how the scripture that we chose spoke to our heart. The scripture I chose was Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. As I started writing my letter, expressing to God that I trust him completely. I was filled with emotion. It became so real to me that he was right there beside me. And that I can lean on him completely for answers to my prayers. I told him that a desire for him to be Lord of my life and that I give him all my cares and concerns and worries. The sense of God's presence was very powerful in those moments. I feel as we encounter the Lord at times like this, he deserves the praise, the honor, and the glory because as we open ourselves to him, he will, he will reveal himself to us. What a great, big, wonderful God we have. Thanks be to God. And the song that I woke up this morning to was the song that the praise team did. Hmm. And I just want to say those words again. It's called, You're a Good, Good Father. I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night. And they tell me that you are pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. Hmm. And I'm loved by you. Hmm. Amen. Wow. Anyone else? We probably have time just for one more. Caleb's coming. <laughs> you got something you want to share? All right. You want to speak in the microphone? You can whisper in my ear. Caleb uh, wants to pray for his uh, teacher, Mrs. Beattie. That's really on his mind and heart. 
So she, uh, she lost her son uh, in a tragic accident a year ago. We just uh, did a walk for Brock. Her son was Brock a couple weeks ago. And then she just also, tragedy upon tragedy, lost a close friend uh, to suicide just a week ago. So, so that's what's on Caleb's mind and heart. So, yeah, so why don't we just pause, pray, say, God, thank you that you're near, that you care. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. Yeah, God, help Mrs. Beattie and the family to lean in to your goodness. Lean in to your loving embrace. Wrap them up, God, in your love, we pray. You're good. You're good, good Father. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Is there anyone else? So kind of bring this to a close. All right. I keep looking over here. I should, yeah, put the pressure on over here. Okay. So good. I'm just going to close with a thought from Henry Blackaby. He, uh, maybe some of you are familiar with that. He's read some of his books. He has a great devotional called Experiencing God, I think. Um, and this is one of, oh, it's, yeah, right here. I got it footnoted. Experiencing God day by day. This is uh, a thought from him on prayer, how prayer changes us, how prayer transforms us. Prayer is not designed to change God. It's designed to change us. Prayer is not calling God in to bless our activities. Rather, prayer takes us into God's presence, shows us his will, and prepares us to obey him. God will use your prayer times to soften your heart and change your focus. As you pray for others, the Holy Spirit will work in your heart so that you have the same compassion for them that God does. If you do not love people as you should, pray for them. If you are not as active in God's service as you know he wants you to be, begin praying. You cannot be intimately exposed to God's heart and remain complacent. The time spent with God will change you and make you more like Christ. Amen.